Welcome to another episode of the JMS Podcast. Had a great interview today with Zach Fritas, uh, or Freitas. Uh, I keep fucking up my guest's name. I need to work on that, but he's a real cool guy. Great musician from Hollister, and he has a great band called Kismet. See, at least I got his band name right. It's a. I met him uh, through the Frascati Open Mics, and he's a, such a great guy, a uh, nice guy, and very talented. Very, very talented. And he plays a spectacular song at the end of the interview, and it's worth checking out. And, yeah, I'm really excited for you guys to be listening in. Uh, thanks again if you're listening from iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Thanks for listening in. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it. Hopefully you're enjoying this podcast as what it is so far. We got a lot of good plans coming. Uh, we got a lot of musicians lining up. We got a lot of great comedians. And pretty soon we might have some uh, other people in the art community come in. You know, to tell us a bit about their poetry and, or about their artwork and stuff like that. A lot of good stuff. Uh, me, I'm still recovering. I had a great time. I'm not sure about you guys, but I had a great time yesterday. Yesterday, I went to the uh, Sofa District uh, Art Walk. It's uh, it's in San Jose downtown, and there's a great uh, local craft artist, and there's great music, and all around, it was, it was a great vibe, a great scene, and I got to meet a lot of my friends, and I got to meet a lot of people I haven't seen for a while, a lot of musicians, and uh, it was fun. You know, I was drinking whiskey. And it everything was great yesterday. It really, really was. I really needed a day like that. You know, it's one of those days where it's like you've been having a rough day, rough couple, you know, week or days, and then you boom, like a big celebration, like a parade happens, and you got your friends there. Uh, there was a, a great band that played. Uh, they're playing in out uh, outside lands in San Francisco, but they came yesterday to downtown San Jose. It was, uh, they were, it's like a, a mostly, I don't think it's an all female. No, no, the drummer was a male and the bass was a male, but it's three leading female, um, singers and, and instrument players. Um, they're called the Wild Reeds. They're really cool. They're really nice. I got a little awkward because I had a friend of mine. She's working at a look at a cafe nearby and she actually knew them like from when she lived in LA and it's, um, I mean, it's a small world, right? You know, a friend from LA comes here to San Jose and she finds out that she knew a couple of them in, in the band and they're playing just outside the cafe. And she felt bad because she couldn't, it was a busy night at the cafe, so she couldn't leave to go uh, meet her old friends uh, who, who are in the band, uh, the Wild Reeds. So me, I was like, you know what? I'm going to fix this. I'm going to reunite old friends together. And then, <laughs> so I was like, okay, maybe I should go and talk to some of the, the, the girl musicians and tell them you know what's up and there's a friend that would like to meet them and as i approached them i got awkward uh i think i creeped her out Ooh, one of the singers because you know can you imagine like a big brown guy going like hey my friend wants to meet you come uh, come come with me <laughs> yeah uh you know it's funny i tried my hard to not come up as a creep but i could see all over her face that she was like who's this guy what's he doing backstage uh well, is he even supposed to be back here? Can someone get him out of here? Well, she didn't say that, but like she was being very nice. And I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, do you know so and so? And she at first she didn't connect it. I'm like, come on, you know, so and so. She's a, she's a dancer and and stuff. She still couldn't connect. You know, she's, no, I don't know who you're talking about. Uh, but she tried really nice. She's like, well, I'm, I'll ask the other bandmates. Maybe they know who she is. 
and and I just felt like such a creep being like you know yeah you know her come come talk to her but you know I was like hey you know uh, she knows you and she says she's a friend of yours and uh, it would really make her day if you guys you know w- once you're done packing up the instruments uh, just come by the cafe yeah and eventually she did eventually I, I thought she like blew me off would be like yeah yeah I'll, I'll go by the cafe and meet you uh, this friend that I might not know or, or might and, and I figure oh well she comes great she doesn't well too bad and luckily they're nice enough to come by and actually once she saw my friend at the cafe they totally recognized each other and uh, I don't know I, I felt proud that I overcame coming off as creepiness and managed to persuade her to at least you know check you know come over and take a chance um but the wild reads they're great and i have a big show tonight a music show and they were a great band to listen to and i got re-inspired i was like yeah gonna start playing some music tonight but other than that uh the artwork and that and sofa district was really nice yeah i mean uh, the downtown music scene is Yesterday, it felt like gold. You know, we had the jazz festival. We had the, uh, I can't pronounce it, but that's a cafe stretch. And it was really nice. Which is why I always get excited when I get musicians on this podcast. You know, I just love talking to them and see how they work and the process. And and at the same time, have them play here. You know, a, a, a JMS podcast session. Can you imagine that? That's nice. But uh, let's get to our interview with Zach Friedas. Uh, he's a real cool guy. Uh, the song that I'm about to play right now is from his his band, Kismet. Uh, check them out on Facebook. Just search for Kismet the Band. Got great tunes. And it's called uh, It Never Hurts Now. And it's pretty awesome. Play the music, Maestro.
a guitar name mm-hmm. George yeah Mona I don't know I just it fit I, I might change it to Jorge now that Jorge you even inspired me name your guitar Jorge Martin <laughs> yeah Jorge Martin after yeah that's your middle name right Jorge Martin or yeah that's my middle name that that is funny oh, why Honestly, I don't know it's just funny uh, it's a funny name Jorge Martin Sanchez yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know what is about naming instruments because I never like are we live yeah oh how long have we been live uh, for a bit. Okay. Uh, you cool with that? Yeah, you made it. You made it feel really natural. You just eased me right into it. <laughs> uh, and like you know, I was playing the guitar, and my friend, uh, he goes, "Did you name your instrument yet?" I'm like, "No, I haven't yet. No, like I, I named my car. You know, I named you know, but and I, I named my car Layla mm. after the song from uh, Eric Clapton." Cause Layla, you always got on my knees. Cause yeah. my car always had me on my knees. Cause she always needed to get fixed somehow. <laughs> um, she's got me begging for please. If you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. And my guitar is like, ah, what's a good name for it? Um, and I was like, you know, Mona. Cause I love the blues and the whole idea of you know making the guitar moan. It's like, yeah. yeah. And it has like the, you know, sexual innuendo, which I thought was pretty funny. Black snake moan. Black snake moan. I have not seen that film yet. Uh, it's also a song too. I know the song, yeah. but I figured the, the the film is based on the song. Is it? It not? is. Is it? Yeah, it okay. is. Uh, a blind something, whatever his name is. I I heard it in a songwriting class, and yeah, the movie's based on the song, and he's talking about this woman that's cheating on him, and the black snake is his dick. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's it's great. Yeah. honestly, it's you know for something that came out of what like the thirties or thirty to forty era, you know, it's like. That's that's really suggestive. Hey, dude, it's music, especially the blues. You know, it was never innocent. Yeah. Even back in its gospel days. It's yeah. Like, they would sing about stuff that, you know, life. You know, being hard life. Well, they're suffering. They were enslaved. You know. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, we wouldn't have music that we have now if it wasn't for slavery. I mean, that's that's what started soul and blues and. Well, again, it starts with hardship. It starts yeah. with you know and. I'm sure in most cultures, not just the slavery of the uh, African Americans or the Africans, uh, it's I think uh, great music from like Judaism come from their slavery days and so many other places. And it's just I- ironic that such a fucked up system has to bring out something so beautiful. Yeah. Would you say? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, messes tend to create really good art. You know, like. The best artists tend to be really fucked up people. 
Like, yeah. look at look at like Van Gogh. He cut off his ear for some prostitute he was in love with, and his. I mean, like that's someone <laughs> you would not want to associate with whatsoever. But yeah. his art just really spoke for itself, and he's immortal because of that. Um, one of my huge inspirations, Elliot Smith. I mean, he was like a heroin addict, and you know, just really got got really negative. You know, his life got really dark. Mm-hmm. Um, but like he he made some really good music, which could help people in their their dark moments, you know. Either that, or it could keep them there too. So it's something you got to be really careful about. I I choose not to listen to it too much because I don't want to wind up stabbing myself in the heart twice at thirty four. You know. Do you feel you you write music at a dark place? Um. Well, yeah, sometimes. I mean, like, I don't want to do it all the time. Right. You know, because then it's like you're limiting yourself. You know, like, there's there's things that I want to shed some light upon. But, yeah, you know, when, you, when you're in the garage alone um, and, you know, like, typically drinking, staying up till the end of the night. Um, yeah, you know, your writing can get kind of dark, but it, it's okay. You know, I'm not really worried about that. It's just expression, really. The okay part is always the hardest part for me. Like for me, when, when I write dark, it's like, is this normal? Like, should I be? It's totally normal, right? But like for me, it's like, wait a minute, am I, am I like a super depressed person? Is that how people see me with my music? But I, then, but then I find out later that people come up to me and say, hey, you know, you're you're not the best singer, but you're not the great guitar player, but you you write relatable stuff. Yeah, and I think that's. Like, sadness is relatable just as much as happiness is. Like, you can't have one without the other, right? True. Um, it's like a yin-yang thing. Yeah, and, you know, like, the way I see our society, like, everyone battles with depression nowadays. I mean... You think nowadays prevalent more, or, like, has it always been like that through, um, through like, human I, history? I can't speak for the past, but... What, in you your know, opinion? In my opinion, I think it's it's always been there, but I, I think um, it's more prevalent now, you know, with overpopulation uh, and the economy being so hard mm-hmm. everything just gets way more expensive um, uh, we got money into the mix yeah now yeah. now we're talking about something even bigger money the root of depression root of all evil and root of sadness man <laughs> I mean, it's just like it's a means to get what you want but you can't always no, get yeah. what you want <laughs> alright so Zach uh, great having you here man I'm so well, excited you you're being here me. Uh, I met you uh, when I started going to cafe for Scotty, but I didn't talk to you for the longest time. I just, you know, for, oh, we didn't really talk, did when we? When I got there, I was so scared at first, yeah. you know. It's like Scared of me or scared of no, in general? No, just scared of yeah, everything in general. me too. You know, it's yeah. just like, it's very nerve-wracking. You know, s- small-town kid from Hollister coming to San Jose for this open mic where, like, it seems like everybody goes. Yeah. It's a really popular open mic, and so at first, I just kind of kept to myself, but, you know, after some time just talking to people and having beer yeah that, that helps <laughs> yeah and then i would hear you play your stuff and i was like wow you, like you really got a distinct voice to you oh thank you like uh, you really got distinct uh, i'm not sure if you're aiming for it but like a, a distinct like folky punk voice to you yeah yeah I, I could see that the punk i was definitely a little punk in like eighth eighth grade around there when i was like 13 starting did, to smoke pot and shit when did you start playing music um i played bass i picked up the bass at 13 bass was your first yeah, instrument yeah I guess that was pretty bold but I always loved the way it sounds and it was like the background thing I never saw myself being like the the front man which I wound up you know I am now for my band but mm-hmm. um, yeah I started off on bass and 
for so long I could never get in a band. It was a pain in the ass because. And this yeah. was in Hollister. Yeah, this is in Hollister. Was, so. Is there a big music scene at the time? For there young was. Kids? I okay. mean, it's kind of just died down because everyone, you know, moves away and music has changed a lot, especially people's taste. You know, like indie rock in Hollister isn't super popular. I would say like hip hop and electronic dance music is really popular. It's easy to be a DJ. It, I, it is and it isn't. I wouldn't say it's that easy. I would say it, it's a respectful it's a respectful music uh, yeah. genre, but for me, it's kind of the easy way out. Yeah, and only like because the resources to really you know get it, it's easy to get you know yeah computer software and all that shit. But I'm not trying to like rag on it because it does take time, especially to like sync up all the drum tracks and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, going back to you know, I started playing bass at 13. And then I got involved with a band. We called ourselves the Scary Pinkies. Scary Pinkies. The Scary Pinkies. So I played bass for them. And uh, it was a couple that I got involved with, Kelvin and uh, Jules. And they were awesome people, great musicians. They had music ready. And I came in. I learned the bass lines. I also threw in some stuff of my own. And Were they your age, like 13, No, 14? they were a little bit older. I was uh, probably 16 at that time. Okay, so you, so you started playing bass later. at 13, and it wasn't until you were 16. Yeah, I got in my first band, Man. and then, you know, we, we played in Hollister, and, you know, all our friends would come to the shows and stuff, and it was, it was pretty popular, and um, and then I got involved with a different band called uh, Africo, and that was like an R&B, kind of like soul, it was a really cool band, uh, but yeah, both those bands, you know, eventually broke up, and I, I found myself with you know just a bass in my hands and there was no bands to play with and i was 18 graduating from high school barely graduated from high school mm -hmm. and uh my dad told me he's like dude if you want to stick with music or you want to do something with it you need to learn how to play guitar i felt so intimidated by that i never thought i could play guitar it just seemed way too hard uh -huh. two extra strings was like too much <laughs> yeah i mean that that's just me um being fearful and not trying to approach the challenge. The guitar is intimidating. It can be. I mean, it's just the way you got to look at it. You know, yeah, like, everything in this world is perspective. You know, if you have a positive outlook, you're going to get a positive outcome. That's true. So my positive outlook was from my dad. He was like, you learn how to play guitar, you'll get the chicks. So Wait, mean, does your dad play music too? No, no, he plays golf. He plays golf. <laughs> and it seems like your parents are very supportive. Uh, yeah. Or was it just I, your dad? Well, I live with my dad. Um, my parents are divorced. They divorced when I was like, uh, they separated when I was like 13. Around there. The same year you started music? Yeah, but I started playing bass before they even separated. Um, okay. But yeah, everything everything was winding down at that age. And that you, think, a tough time. you think the bass helped you out through that? Oh, totally. Phase? I mean, music today, I mean, if I didn't have music to play nowadays, I don't, I don't think I'd be here. <laughs> I just, I wouldn't have anything to live for, really. It's, yeah. it's that important to me. Okay, and your dad, you live with your dad, and yeah, and he's very supportive. Super supportive. I mean, he. We used to live in a condo for years, and I mean, it was it was a cool place. We we live in a gated community. I'm really fortunate, and um, it sucked because you know in a condo you have people above you. Like my sister was sleeping above me, so I'd have to stop playing sometimes, and mm -hmm. that's a real drag. Um, and so he he finally bought a house, his first house, and so we've been living there for about. Oh, it's been like four years now, so I've had plenty of time to be able to spend in the garage, and nobody complains, and I can just belt my heart out, and yeah, just get better and better. Yeah, and and then from there you went a band, then you went through two bands, and you graduated high school. Yeah, and then you got told to hey, 
if we're taking this seriously, you gotta learn the guitar because that's yeah. like the basics, right? I think. Yeah, I mean, especially if you want to write songs, you know. And I wasn't even sure if I was able to do that. At, write songs? Yeah, at like seventeen or no, eighteen was when I started guitar. But like once I picked it up, and you know, I learned like "Rocky Raccoon" by the Beatles. That was like the first song I ever learned. And uh, my buddy from the Scary Pinkies, Kelvin, he showed me some basic chords, and then um, I started learning, you know, other songs from the Beatles, and just from this big old book of the greatest hits from the Beatles and it taught me how chords work together and like how to write songs just mm -hmm. like analyzing what they're doing so I just started writing songs right away like three days after I got my first guitar nice dude yeah like for me I'm still learning a lot of that stuff I'm still picking it up and learn Beatles songs <laughs> uh, learn, learn Beatles songs but there's a certain uh, almost uh, science and math to it yeah there's of of having chords uh, progressions like fit into the like puzzles you know what I'm saying yeah it's like patterns exactly patterns patterns that you put together and like don't limit yourself think of it as like a crossword that you're making up and no matter what it's gonna wind up being okay yeah yeah <laughs> good or bad it's gonna be okay yeah you know it's like some songs are good some songs are great like that's the difference really you're gonna write a lot of crap but that's okay like something good will come through yeah, you know, see, that's a uh, a notion that I, I battle with. I think most of us battle with is being okay writing crap. Well, you're your own worst critic. Right. But I think, you know, comedy or, or writing films or writing in general for me uh, and music now, it's like, I, I, like for example, I, I loved music from a young age. Yeah. I never picked up an instrument, really. Like, I mess around, but not serious as I do now. Because I was afraid of like, what if I'm a shitty guitarist? What if I'm a shitty songwriter? Yeah. And what if is a dangerous phrase. <laughs> yes, what if. And being around musicians like you at Friscati and being with other people, like very supportive. I'm like, okay, I might be, I might fuck up. I, I, might, I might write crappy shit in the beginning. But, you know, as long as I'm around with these people, that's okay. Because I know I'll get better because I learned from you and I learned from others. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, do you feel like that kind of uh, limits some musicians? Is like the, the what if? It's like, or, or at least like being like, hey, you know, I'm gonna be crappy, but expect better. Or is it? Or you never start out great, you know? Yeah. Like, I think it takes like two years to get uh, decent at any instrument. Two years? Yeah, I think two years is like you're still learning. Um, After two years, just quit it if you can't. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that's that's not a very good outlook to have. You know, that's that's like setting yourself up to fail. That's true. Um, so two years minimum. Yeah, two years, and then you you understand what you're doing, and then another two years, and you're even better. And then I think like one year after that, all of a sudden you're like shit. You know, got got things down. You know, five years, um, about like ten thousand hours, you'll be good. Ten thousand hours. That's right. And you touched on this already. Uh, so, as of right now, what are some of your inspirations? Oh, uh, REM is a huge inspiration for me right now. Um, is that music you listened to when you were younger, in your teenage years? Um, like, I, I remember, you know, like, losing my religion when I was younger, but I, I never really got into them. Like, I heard Orange Crush, and I was like, oh, this is cool, but back then I was a little angrier, and... You know, I was listening to stuff like The Misfits or Dead Kennedys. I mean, when I was a kid, kid, when I was in, like, elementary school, I wanted to be a rapper. I really? Wanted, I wanted to be, like, Eminem. And, there you, you know, go. And that changed. And then Linkin what, Park came out. What, and, what made that change? Uh, 
ACDC and Linkin Park and, you know, more rock heavy kind of stuff. I mean, I liked everything when I was a kid, but Eminem really called out to me with, uh, my name is what? My name is, you know? Yeah. It was fun. His music videos were really funny too. And, you know, he's quite a character. Um, but then, you know, I started hearing stuff from my parents, like Huey Lewis in the news or like ACDC. Mm-hmm. I remember there was one time I was in my room and I was probably like uh, 10 years old. I was listening to ACDC and I was banging my head so hard that I like, cracked something in my neck man i was like mom something's wrong she's just like you're rocking out too hard son <laughs> i gotta wear a helmet yeah <laughs> yeah i was special man <laughs> you you uh you took the short yellow bus to i did school. ride the short bus uh freshman year when did I had you to, yeah i had to take well i chose to take zero period so i can get out earlier and play play video games <laughs> but yeah i rode the short bus at one point i'm i'm proud to say i did i used to work with special needs kids too so you take classes with them uh, with the special needs kids? Or you just worked with them? No, I, I worked with them like four years ago. Four years ago. Yeah. I remember elementary, there was a program in my school where we go to the special needs class and we just help them out, whatever. Yeah. And I remember I enjoyed it. I mean, it took me, because it was middle of class, so I didn't have to go to my class. I was like, all right, I'll go play around with these guys. That's yeah. awesome. And not worry about my shit. But yeah, going back to influences, it went from, you know, like ACDC and classic rock and then uh, punk. I really got into punk music. I liked uh, the volatile energy. I was just really, you know, angry at that point. So the Dead Kennedys is like one of my favorite bands, you know, Police Truck, um, Holiday in Cambodia. Mm-hmm. Give Me uh, Convenience or Give Me Death is the name of the album. It's great. It's a great little concept. Now, were you angry because of the situation with your family? Or was there, like, relationships that were also involved? Uh, well, I wasn't... I didn't have any real girlfriends at that point. Um, I, I was just um, discovering what the world was really like, I think, at that point. You know, when you're 13, 12, you're starting to really realize what what's going on in society and how you've been sheltered your whole life. And like uh-huh. people try and make things simple for you, but really the world is so complex. And you know, it was just good to hear a voice, um, like what's his name, something Bara. Um, you know, just to hear someone call out things, and you know, just be like a little violent. You know, um, so that changed too. That that went from punk to Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd and like '60s music. I remember thinking I was like I really want to get into 60s music for some reason it just I liked the era I liked the way that people thought during that time so I wanted to know what they were listening to and I felt super uncomfortable uh, when I first started listening to it you know like the association or the birds um uncomfortable why because it was so foreign I mean it was just like okay it wasn't anything like I was used to hearing and it was so soft I felt like like really effeminate you know (laughs) just I felt like it wasn't tough and you know it's like these love songs and you know I started listening to like the Grateful Dead and stuff and eventually it just all started warming up to me and I started taking it in and appreciating it and then that transitioned to Pink Floyd and Pink Floyd was like my all-time favorite band in high school and then once I got in the Scary Pinkies they introduced me to the Beatles and I was just yeah the world of Beatles man I, I went through a little Beatlemania Oh yeah, I love John Lennon. He's just such a influential figure. I love the way he thought. Um, you know, he wanted to change the world. You know, it's that's something I see myself wanting to do as well. Change the world. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And what are some things you'd like to change? 
Um, if I could change money, I would do that. But uh, I mean, money. like the way we handle money, or, or the way uh, <clears throat> money is used, or the way money is used because resources are the most valuable thing there is, right? Right. And so it's easy to abuse your resources when you have greed, and and so the the longing for more money or the the abundance of money. Yeah, the abundance of money, and you know, like people not having enough and not being able to get their needs met. I mean, that's what creates crime, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. We're also really overpopulated, I believe. You know, um, I made a personal choice a long time ago. I've, I've decided not to have kids because I just think, for one, it's too expensive. And, you know, I, I want to have a normal life, but I, I just don't think it's a normal society anymore. It's just, I mean... No, I totally that might, feel you, that man. might change. I'm 23. I mean, you know, maybe oh, yeah. at 33 I'll feel way different. Yeah, but, you know, I, I totally get it. This whole concept of, of you know, the world we live in. And can, can I be a responsible parent knowing that there's these responsibilities, not just of a child in their life, but like the shit I'm dealing with economically or, mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck. And, yeah, there, there's something said about that. The, the, the Why is it that we need... The, the concept of money to get resources. Why not just give it to the people that need it? Yeah, exactly. Out of the sake of helping <clears throat> another person. Yeah. You know, it's sad that, you know, with the health and, you know, with, with uh, at least in the U.S., the, the uh, what is it? The health industry. The health industry, yeah. Or, just, or other stuff. It's like, unless you have money, you're not going to get the best treatment. Yeah. And that's fucked up. Yeah, I was hoping that Obama would really bring that change that he was, you know, parading around. But, I mean... Congress. Uh, the whole pol- politics in the U.S. is a fucked up uh, system that it's it, very polarized. You polarize, but it's not. It's not. You know, it's hard to really be. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Expedient, like you know, get stuff fast over there. Yeah. Because again, the, the republic that our country is, you know, you need to convince a certain amount of politicians to go along with your plan. Yeah. And your plan won't go forward unless you convince a certain amount of politicians. And they themselves have their own special interests. Oh, yeah. And I mean, we're all out for ourselves. I think altruism is a very uh, futile concept. People do what they please. Exactly. And it's like, you know, it's like you're trying to change it. And I think I think that's why the arts is very... You're, I think a lot of times the arts kind of inspire change faster than politics do because the arts you don't you don't seek approval of others it's just it's either they like it or they don't yeah and if they do hopefully it instills a, a, something in them yeah and i think that's what bob dylan and all these other you know protest musicians in the 60s you know were, i think that that's why there's such a big factor in the civil rights movement yeah I agree. It's because these people who are not happy could now use the music to express themselves and to inspire others for change. Yeah. And it's also, he's calling out his audience too. He's like, do you guys want change? You know, here's your song. And that's why I think now it's harder because now it's like, you know, the music of today, what is it? It's it's the glamorization of money. Yeah. It's the glamorization of, 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 you know, living beyond our means. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I'm talking about and specifically, and specifically, I'm talking about like the pop. I'm yeah. specifically, I'm talking about like you know the the the, the hip hop and stuff. But don't get me wrong though. There's music that, that that's fucking catchy yeah. and I like. But like the bigger picture notion of it, I I kind of get where at least I feel like we're on the same page on yeah. that. Would you say? 
Um, I would say so. Like, I was thinking about this the other day, you know, like condoning alcoholism through hip hop, I think is wrong. You know, I remember uh, taking an ex-girlfriend to a strip club on her birthday one night. Nice. And it was fun. It was For her really birthday? fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she, uh, she really liked that. And, um, <laughs> wow. Okay. She did. She, she had a great time. And, um, there was this one song that was on, I couldn't believe it. It was just, the lyric was just alcoholism 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 and I was like what the fuck is this you know um there's another song you've heard it shot 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 shots, shot yeah. shot shots and it's like okay we get it you know you, you want everyone to get fucked up you know well I think I feel that's our culture of our generation is this concept of getting fucked up on the weekend yeah well everyone's done that I mean throughout humanity everyone's been getting fucked up they used to put cocaine in coca-cola right but I think there's a little difference when uh, drugs were used for medical or for uh, consumption well, like that. They didn't even know what they were really putting in their body that at too. that point. Science wasn't really able to explain too much. Right. And it's like, to these days, it's like, okay, everybody's going to the clubs and getting hammered and shit-faced. And that's, and, that's, and that's an indication of having a good time. Yeah. Or is it me being narrow-minded here? Well... I mean, some people do that. Some people don't. Like, some people on the weekends choose to have, like, a game night or something. If they choose to have some beer or some alcohol, that's not a big deal. Right, well, I'm talking about, like, the popular music now. Yeah. Kind of kind of inspiring that behavior. Yeah, I think you're right. Think I, so? Yeah. I mean, I mean... I, I feel like a politician right now. That's okay. I mean, <laughs> we're just... Blaming rock and roll. I'm not yeah. blaming, you know... I'm just saying that the choice of the majority of a of people that I, I've met at least I'm not saying everybody I'm not speaking for everyone just people I've observed the majority of them prefer this kind of uh, uh, music that, 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 that talks yeah. about that stuff I guess that's I think that's at the core of it what I'm trying to say here I could be full of shit I don't know no I think there's some truth in what you're saying and I think that it, it it's killing rock and roll in a way um, oh, yeah this, well it's it's like it's a fine line i'm crossing when i say that because rock and roll roll will never die right I and mean, they said that in the 50s and it's still around now too um it's just constantly evolving really so right. the rock and roll that was you know, popular back then it turned into you know so many different things i mean from like elvis to you know more beatles-esque to you know ramones punk and then grunge you know then you have the glam rock in the 80s. Yeah, there's like there's that. so many different types of things that have happened with rock. So um, what I see now that's super popular when it comes to, you know, instrumentation, actual bands, is uh, hardcore music, which evolved from emo music, right? Mm. Like the Taking Back Sunday, AFI. Yeah. Which was stuff I was really into at one point, too. And I like AFI, yeah. Oh god, AFI used to be one of my favorite bands. Davey Havoc, I, I love the way he sings. Uh, Super angry. Him? Uh, Never got too into him, but I, him? I've been told I should listen to him. Oh yeah, check that out. But yeah, and um, as far as you though, music-wise, uh, where do you see yourself? Uh, how, what's the best way you, you would describe the evolution? Of my music? Yes. Because um, you, you touched on it already, where you went from like punk and yeah R&B. but do you feel like now you have like a better uh, idea of where you're where you're at voice wise or yeah or singing wise or when i first music started wise i mean let's go back five years ago um when i first started it was 
you know, I was just stoked that I could sing and play, and I thought I was good. So I tried out for American Idol, and that was just... Really? I was not ready for that. Where is yeah. that? San Francisco? No, it was in Portland. It was in 2010, uh, oh, the year Philip Phillips won. Uh-huh. So I tried out the same location that he did as well. I don't, I don't think I ever saw him or anything, but I thought he did a great job. He great audition. Um, but it's, it's pretty nerve-wracking. You know, you're lined up, and there's all these different panels. There's probably like eight tables with four people, four producers. And you're lined up with uh, four people, and they're like, all right, give me 10 seconds of the best you got. <laughs> it's like, okay. Fuck. So, yeah. I mean, that didn't work. The, the nicest thing they can say is you're just you're not what we're looking for. Right. So, yeah. Um, so back then, you know, I was, I was belting and trying to be soft, and I didn't really know what to sound like. I was... You know, I was still, like, scared. I didn't know how to fill out my voice. I always loved to sing, but I didn't really practice or put myself out there too hard. So, you know, it's it just discovery. But over the last year and a half, I've really found myself to be, like, using the back of my throat and making it um, not growl, but um, it's just, like, an angry tone, really. Um, it's just very angsty. And it sounds like there's some kind of, like, constraint going on. It sounds a lot like REM or Nirvana. It's what I think. So yeah, I'm I'm glad that that evolution happened with Kismet, my band. Um, Which is your current band? Yeah, Kismet, Kismet K I Z M E T. How'd you guys uh, come together? Well, that was a long process of trial and errors with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, started about two and a half years ago. Me and Kelvin from the Scary Pinkies, we we're trying to start a band with a. Two mutual friends of ours. Uh, one of them is my drummer right now, Matt, and uh, you know an- another friend that plays guitar, and he's really talented. But the problem was, I had material ready. I had songs that were written, you know, ready to go. I just wanted to go out and start playing shows, and uh, he wasn't on board with that. He wanted to start writing material together, and we we couldn't really see eye to eye, and we couldn't really get much done. So, I mean, we couldn't even come up with a band name that we agreed on. So that something fundamentally is wrong. So creative differences off the bat. Yeah, creative differences off the bat. And also, I was just fucking crazy alcoholic at the time. I was just showing up drunk. And, you know, I just I wasn't taking care of myself very well. So, you know, that had its repercussions and it just didn't work out. And so me and the drummer tried to do something together and... That was getting stagnant because it was just me and him. So we kind of took a break for a little bit. And then him and his stepbrother came over one time and we jammed. And I was playing bass and we were just messing around. I thought it sounded really good. So we decided to form a band together. And uh, that was called Shade and Bloom. And that didn't last very long because his stepbrother is great. I love love the guy. Um, And he has four great songs. um, But it was just... Again, it got stagnant because, um, you know, he, he wasn't taking the time to write more material. Um, I'm constantly writing material. It's what I do every night. I've got to practice. It's just what I do. And so I'd, I'd come up with a bunch of new material and, you know, I'm showing him and I want him to play bass for it and he's forgetting the bass lines. And so that's that's hard to deal with. And, I, you know, I was, I was getting bitter and, you know, it's just like giving people ugly looks on stage and that's no way to perform. So, like your own bandmates? Yeah, yeah. I just look at them like, what the hell is going on? And <laughs> yeah. 
you know, because I'm I'm a bit of a perfectionist. You know, I'm I'm really critical on myself, and I, I expect a lot out of my bandmates. So that that wasn't working out. So um, he quit the band, which was best. You know, I, and we it was all amicable. Everybody was cool with that. Um, we had a guitarist that was originally a drummer, and he wasn't really working out. So we just we just stopped like picking him up. You know, I mean, transportation is another deal too. If you want to practice, you, you should have some transportation to get over to my house. Mm-hmm. So um, my uh, pianist Max, I'd been trying to get him involved in a band for two years. He he'd even helped me write um, one of my better songs, "Angels Pray for You," which is for a cousin of mine that passed away in an automobile accident. And uh, I was just trying to get him involved, and he was going to Cogswell College and. He's just in a bad place, and so he wasn't ready, and he was far away. So we came back to Hollister, and something happened, and he just he wanted to be a part of a band. So that's when it clicked. Me, the drummer Matt, and the pianist Max, we started practicing together after the whole Shade and Bloom fallout, and then thinking of band names. And so you know, I was thinking of something. I, I it was some word I made up and I told my my now ex girlfriend she was like oh it sounds like kismet which is a word I'd never heard of before, um, which means destiny or fate. In what language? Uh, it's Hebrew, Arabic, and Islam. It's just it's been used throughout a bunch of different cultures. Kismet. Yeah, and so I threw the Z in there, my little ego, uh-huh. and it gives it a visual brand too because I like to write my Z's with a line in the middle. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And so yeah, that's how kismet began and. Me and Max have been writing material together, and Max really loves Nirvana, and uh, I think that's what pushed me to sing more like that. You know, be more angry, more more band like in that sense, instead of like singer songwriter. How long have you guys been uh, t- uh, been playing together now? As a band, it's been probably nine months. And you guys are already getting a, a lot of shows. I've noticed you guys have been yeah, playing a lot of places. We keep busy. Now, is it mostly in the Hollister area? Are you guys playing? Or are you getting some good gigs up here as well? Well, we're playing in Morgan Hill this Saturday, um, August 8th at 8 p.m. And then we'll be playing in Richmark in Hollister. That's my neighborhood, Richmark. It's a club. Uh, on September 5th. And then we're going to start recording an album in September. Do you feel there's a difference in the music crowd over there and over here? Hollister versus... San Jose. Or just, not just Hollister, but like the, the area of like... Of Morgan Hill and beyond, like Gilroy. Um, in terms of people's musical taste or taste or just crowds, like do you feel like they're rowdier or maybe they're more passive? Um, I think Hollister. I mean, we have a more country kind of background. You know, there's there you a lot go, of farming yeah. areas around there or the hay balers. So, um, people really like you know their country music or like you know like a Bon Jovi cover band or something like that, but. I mean, bon Jovi cover band. Yeah, yeah, well, the guys that are going to record us, uh, they, they play in a Bon Jovi cover band called Steel Horse. Nice. And they're, they're really good. I really enjoyed their show. Um, but, I mean, I think it's universal everywhere, really. You know, and it's it's cool what Kismet is doing because, you know, it's like an acoustic, almost grunge rock kind of band. So, with the piano in it. So, in terms of people's taste, if they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. You know, I don't. I don't really care. I'm not trying to compare the crowds either because people are people everywhere. Hmm. And uh, so what's your process like in writing music? Can you go through that? Um, so, you know, get off work and sometimes it's like I'll think about things during the day or like there's a phrase in my head or, 
you know, you just give it some thought. Sometimes it just happens. Like one time I wrote a song while I was doing laundry. Yeah, just something popped in my head. Oh, pretty girls don't smile. I was like, okay, I'll roll with that and just start writing it on paper. I knew exactly what chords I wanted to do later because it was just a simple, straightforward song. But sometimes, you know, you're going through something that's really emotional and, you know, you sit down, you need to put that on paper so you can just get that emotion out and, you know, feel better about it. Um, but yeah, typically, you know, I come home after work and I sit down and have some rum and, you know, smoke a little pot, have some cigarettes and just keep myself motivated through my vices and just, you know, power through a song or let it rest for a little bit and come back to it the next day and edit it. That's pretty much the writing process. Where's the farthest you guys perform Kismet? Where's the what? The farthest you guys have gone to perform? Um, San Francisco. When we played for a radio show, The Unbound Sound. Nice. Yeah. How was that? It was great. Phillip's a really good host. We had a good time. We were surprised when we got in the studio that it was really small. I'm surprised we were able to fit all our equipment in there. Yeah. yeah. My, my drummer, Matt, he was like, oh my... He was... He wasn't too happy about it. No? Oh. No, but he, he pulled through and he, he did it with flying colors, so... Nice. I appreciated that. Yeah, I, I got a love-hate relationship with San Francisco. It's not fun to drive around. It's that fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's just the worst part about San Francisco. Just don't even drive there. Take the train, whatever. Don't even fucking walk there. Like, I had a comedy gig up there, and I took the train, and I forgot how to walk up these fucking hills. I had a bike with me. I was like, I'm not oh, biking up these hills. I'm yeah. not going down. This. So I'm like a dumbass. I'm like fucking, you know, carrying this bike up a huge hill and down another huge hill but but then I love San Francisco where people are so receptive they are like uh, I had a gig in Livermore and I just ate comedy I ate shit same material I did in SF and boom I was fucking god on that stage yeah I was like oh my god it's like I guess it's it's San Francisco it's like you just just more open minded open minded but it's more like you know the landscape may suck but the people will make it good. I guess. Yeah. Can I say that? Yeah, that's perfectly acceptable. Why not? Yeah, I guess. It's your show. You can say whatever the fuck you want, right? Oh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, does that even make sense? But, yeah, that's an interesting process. Uh, so, you, you went to San Francisco, and you guys are, are doing playing quite a few gigs now. Yeah. Where do you guys see your, you as a musician and your band in the next five years or so like do you guys are coming I've, up with an I've album already, I've already written down next five years I want to release at least three albums and do many tours with them um, get sponsored by Boulder Creek Guitars um, I, if I had the list with me I could run it down with you I mean we need to get a booking agent you know right. a videographer there's a lot of stuff that goes into it and yeah it all comes down to money too but the biggest thing is making albums and not making shit albums either you know really yeah. really taking the time and putting in the time at a studio um our our ep death is a blessing which we released uh, in march um it was it was re recorded in a home studio by my, my by my friend ben kilmer and he did a great job um luckily he did it for free really nice guy i tried to give him 100 bucks for it and he's just too nice he wouldn't accept it hmm. so that's really golden heart but you know, it's like, I realized, yeah, it's an EP. You know, while we're recording, I'm like, this gives us room to make an improvement and make a way better next project. Yeah, it's like a pilot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. 
and it was a good pilot it's people have been really receptive towards it so how many takes do you guys go through how many takes yeah because i know it takes a long time um let's just say that we recorded it in a month nice yeah wow yeah that's actually pretty fast well i gave us a deadline i'm i was voted most militant um i'm you know i'm in high school no oh by my by my band my ex-girlfriend Oh, <laughs> the most militant. Yeah, most militant. That's um, good, man. You're getting shit done. Well, I mean, someone's got to push people, you know? Have you seen, uh, what's the movie about the drummer? Uh, Whiplash. Whiplash. Amazing. The teacher? Yeah. I love his character because it's like, you know, he might be an asshole, but he does have a soft side. He knows exactly what he's doing. And it's, you know, it's like, I don't want to be like that. I want to be that person. But there was a point where I'd just be really angry and I would I would tell these guys what's up and it wasn't healthy in any way but but do you feel that there's something in that pushing people further even if it's uncomfortable beyond their own yeah comfort zone beyond their own means really yeah there is a, a virtue in that because it it's striving for something greater than yourself mm-hmm. yeah I, 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 like I, I remember back high school I mean, it could be in sports, music too, comedy, or anything I did really. It's like the worst thing I could have, the worst place I could have been was in a comfortable place. Yeah. It's stagnant. Exactly. Complacency. So I needed a kick in the ass. And sometimes I got it, you know, through heartbreak or through other stuff. But sometimes I just needed someone to say, you fucking suck. Yeah. Or you're mediocre. Yeah. And a lot of times it's me myself telling me <laughs> myself, but but once in a while I had people out there, you know, saying telling me that you know I'm no good, and I get mad. And I was like, and then, I mean, if it's constructive criticism, then eventually I come around to it. Yeah. If it's not, it's always I'm, sugarcoated when it's constructive. I guess you could say that. I know what you mean though. Like when I tried out for American Idol and they told me you're not what we're looking for, I was so pissed. I was just so mad. That I decided to dedicate myself to getting better at singing, and you know that's it's a result of what I do now. Yeah, it's like you know, anger. Anger is an emotion used for problem solving. That's that's why it's useful. That's why we have it to problem solve. Yeah, and there's many forms of anger. You know, like there's showcasey anger, where it's like you're not really as mad as you appear to be. Um, I like that showcase the anger. Yeah, there, there's this book I read on anger at my grandma's house, and uh, it just there's like ten different types of anger. I can't name them all off, but the one I'm good at is uh, explosive anger. You know, you bottle it up and you just explode. That's interesting, man, because you always seem as a mellow guy to me. Oh yeah, you haven't seen that other side. My, Not yet. My band will tell you about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, they've told me like they can see me bottle it up and I'll let out a little bit and just like piss someone off and then and then I'll bring it back in I see you have Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me that's that's awesome oh yeah you're looking at my D- the DVD collection yeah no I, I love Twin Peaks yeah that's one David of my favorite Lynch, shows he's, he's badass yeah he is I also got Blue Velvet somewhere around yeah I was about to mention that. Blue Velvet in dreams <laughs> yeah but, but but that's interesting and do you think it's this anger that also helps you perform maybe yeah I think so yeah but I because I wanna... you're, you're the front of the band yeah right you're the singer mm-hmm. so in some ways you gotta show a bit of showmanship yeah and, and you don't wanna take that too far though because it's a negative energy if you take it too far and you know it's like what do you what do you feel you draw the line though um 
only get angry at the right part <laughs> uh-huh. you know and when you're belting and your voice sounds like a certain way then you know you make the good face and you you look angry and then yeah there's a trick to it you know when you're performing and you're singing and you're you're conveying emotions to the crowd you have to put on a certain face like you're acting hmm. almost like method acting method acting yeah yeah wow yes yeah i'm learning i'm learning already hey stuff i could use for tomorrow's show there you go god amazing uh anybody uh in your family in the arts um not in my well my older brother played drums for a little bit are you the youngest no i'm the middle child middle child so you have an older brother younger sister yeah got it yeah you got it and and your brother was you said drums yeah he played drums um he was into hardcore music he was playing a lot of hardcore music um me and him never really played together um, I wasn't I wasn't that good at bass at the time, but you know he was good at drums for sure. Um, but he, he stopped playing because he's going to become a cop. He had to sell his drum set. Hmm. Is he a cop or is he trying to be? He's applying. He's applying. There's a lot of people that are trying to be cops out there. So in Hollister? No, he or in he general lives in Sacramento. But oh, yeah, he's been applying to like you know Texas, uh, San Francisco, Oakland, L.A. Okay, and since a young kid, he always wanted to be a cop. I don't think so. No, I think it was after high school when he just shaped up. Shaped up. Me and him used to not get along, and then oh, something changed in him, and I saw it. And me and him have gotten along great ever since. He's Gro- a good, he's it's a called good growing up, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <it's> sibling <laughs> rivalries, you know. Yeah, but you stuck with the music. He has it, but he drummed. So yeah, so. so the, how about your parents? Did any any of them do anything? My artistic? mom, my mom can sing. Her grandma can sing. I mean, her mom can sing. My grandma, um, and my aunt. You know, she, my auntie Mimi. Uh, she's like my second mom, my godmother. I love her very dearly. Um, there's a song called the Oklahoma song that's dedicated to her, and she's she's written some music before, but you know, it's like then life catches up with you, and you have to start paying the bills, so you can't really stick with it too much. But the art, the music gene was there. Yeah, yeah, I think it comes from my mom's side of the family a little bit. But, I mean, it's primarily just me loving music. It's not like it's a genetic hand-me-down, you know. Well, I think there's a certain factor. I want to say exactly, uh, you know, literally the gene. It's more like, you know, being being, uh, inspired or, uh, you know, influenced by your, your people... Yeah, you your environment. Kid. Well, I have a cousin from my dad's side. His name is Ross, and I always looked up to him because he could sing and play guitar, and he's he's really good. He still is, um, and I I just always looked up to him because he he's just he knew how to be cool for sure, and he'd play a lot of cover songs, get people to sing along. So, you know, someone to look up to. He lives in Portland. He's going to be visiting pretty soon. Portland? You have family in Portland? Yeah, him? just my just my cousin Ross. Cousin Ross. Yeah. Okay. Because you say that's where you auditioned for American Idol. Yeah, so I was staying with him at that time. It's just for like a week, but man, Portland is awesome. I'm a little curious. How is the audition process for for American Idol? I mean, cruel. Is it? Cruel and uh, very superficial. Like everybody's like in their best behavior or trying to be and they're in line and yeah i mean like people get along and stuff but i'm i'm just talking about the crew behind american idol i i just felt like they're you know it's like they're hurting people i mean i don't blame them you know i wouldn't really like that job either um but 
just give you like a brief example. You know, we're all in the stadium, and they play uh, that Modest Mouse song, um, the hit song, "Float On." Float on, and it's like, okay, everybody, we want you all to stand up and sing along with the song and look like you're having a really good time. It's like, <laughs> so well, that's that's so fake. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like why don't you just? I don't know. It's it's okay. I understand what they have to do for the show, but it's like, really, like this is. This is not what I was expecting at all. It was a real eye-opener to what the music industry is really like. That is what it's really like. It's like acting. It's like any other show business. And do you feel like, you know, because you're in the music world, and you ever wonder of people who have never been in the music world and how they could perceive things? Yeah, they you know, have no idea. Exactly. Like, like they're like, oh, you play an instrument. You, you must have it easy, man. You must just go and play. Well, all you do is go on stage and play your guitar and sing. That's not hard. And then you hand them a guitar and it's totally different. Yeah, it's like, fuck you, man. Do you have any time and hours I put into this? Well, I mean, that's that's self-entitlement right there. Like, that's that's pride. And you don't want to let that get to your head because, you know, it's if it's important to you, then it's important to you. It doesn't matter what people think. Yeah, I know. Well, I guess I mean you, you have a point. Yeah, but me, I'm always uh, vulnerable to that, especially with stand up or or to anything. It's like, oh, you just go up there and do jokes. Tell me a joke right now. Yeah, no, I I, I understand your frustration. Um, to give you an example, I was at an open mic in Gilroy, and nobody, there's no performers that really go to it. It was me and my friend Ian, and we we're the only performers there. And I was playing, and you know, I'm just I'm trying to put myself out there and do the things. I'm like crowd testing my songs you know the things I've recently written I'll play some covers but I don't want to be mundane like I, I want to try out the things that I've been working on and uh, there's this girl that was like do you know Hotel California and I'm like oh I don't I know like take it easy I can help you with that and she's like oh I don't know the lyrics to that I'm like well welcome to my world I don't know the lyrics to Hotel California <laughs> And then, and then Ian was like, oh, I could play it on guitar. And I'm like, okay, Ian could play it for you on guitar if you want to come up and sing. And it's open mic night. And it yeah. pretty much turned into like open karaoke mic night. Oh, no. And I was just like, I was kind of disenchanted by that. But she was nice enough to come up to me after her performance. And she was like, hey, I, I just wanted to say sorry. Like, did I offend you or anything? And I wanted to, I wanted to say like, well yeah in a way like I work really hard for what I do and you just want to go up and sing Hotel California <laughs> whoop the fucking do you can sing Hotel California you know yeah but you know it's I was like no of course not you know by by all means I want you to have a good time right right what's your take on karaoke I'm curious now oh I'm gonna do it tonight are you <laughs> yeah I'm gonna have uh, karaoke tonight in Hollister it's fun it's is great it fun okay but I just think that there's like a, a sacredness to an open mic it's like you know don't like disturb the performer really like don't disenchant them because that makes them not want to go back and they're just like well who gives a shit anyway and then you know in the grand scheme of things who gives a shit anyway is just well, the, the giving of shit <clears throat> factor man it's in some ways, you do. Like, I mean, uh, to to say, I mean, I believe in moderation. To yeah. say fuck it all, and drop, I think that that could be problematic. But to also like give care too much or give it give a lot of shit could be problematic too. Yeah, if you care too much, you gotta fuck it up every time. Yeah, and it's like <clears throat> finding that middle ground is always hard. I think for any uh, artistic person, musician, or, or comedy, or anybody, it's like because it, it varies in, in environment. Yeah. 
You know, in some environment, you're comfortable and someone talks shit and you're like, no big deal. Don't bother yeah. me. But in some environment, you're on edge. Someone talks shit and it's like the straw that, that boom. Well, it's just the energy of the room, too. People's attitudes. It breathes off people. You can feel vibes. Yeah. Yeah. You, you ever had a problem with that? <clears throat> in terms of like, while you, I'm performing? Yeah. Like, were you in a venue and you just, for some reason, you felt hard to perform because of a vibe? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, especially if that place is just a negative place. It puts you in a negative stream of consciousness. Yeah. And you're just trying to find, like, sunlight, you know, positivity. Yeah, trying to bring some light to a situation, but it's hard. Positivity. Especially if you're playing in a bar or something, you know? I mean, <clears throat> people appreciate music, um, but in a bar, you know, they're, they're having drinks, and they, they just want to socialize. It, you're not the focal point. Mm-hmm. So it, it takes some... Um, seeing past yourself in order to like feel comfortable performing right because you know people want to play pool and you know smoke cigarettes outside but they they do hear it you know they might not be like up front listening which you know a lot of artists crave that's kind of just like entitlement and you, you think you're that great but well there's something said about that I think there's something of like hey look at me look yeah. at me perform and I'm not just talking on the music level I think on a stand up comedy level it's like, hey, pay attention to me. Yeah. I want to I want I want to be liked right now. Yeah. Because of the jokes I want to say. It's like I want your oh. approval and Yeah. I, I've just come to this point where I just stop caring about what people think, especially while I'm performing. Because if if I care too much about what they think, I'm gonna feel miserable. Yeah. And that that would happen to me a lot of after a lot of performances because I felt like I didn't do a good job, I didn't please my audience when you know I'm just gonna do what I'm gonna do anyway. There you go, man. You do what you want to do. Yeah, do you what, do you. You do you, do what you got to do to do, I don't know. That and do it with confidence because yes. nobody wants to see some guy, oh, I'm just a turd up here on stage. I'm going to play you a few sad songs, right? You know. <laughs> nobody wants that. It's like, that's just embarrassing for everybody. Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> for somebody who wants to start in music, is there any tips you want to give? Practice. Just practice? Practice as much as you can. Play with other people as much as you can. Learn songs. Learn lots of different songs. Listen to a lot of different music. Branch out. Play different instruments. Cool. All right, we're about that time where you're gonna do a performance. Before we get there, uh, any plugins of any kind? Any upcoming shows you want to talk about? Um, well, you can find Kismet on Facebook. Facebook.com/slash Kismet Band, and that's spelled K-I-Z-M-E-T. That's it. K-I-Z-M-E-T band and we also have an Instagram you can follow us on uh, we'll be playing in Morgan Hill tomorrow uh, August 8th at 8pm keep in mind this is going to go on Sunday oh yeah so never mind that but we'll be playing in Ridgemark on September 5th at 9pm that'll go on till midnight we're learning a bunch of ba- dance tunes for that so and then you can also find us on iTunes as well Death is a Blessing our EP about a little less than four bucks we could really use that support so and uh so itunes yeah death is a blessing instagram kismet kismet band kismet band and facebook kismet kismet band facebook.com slash kismet band but yeah you'll find us if you just look up k-i-z-m-e-t you'll see the the saint francis the black on the white oh, on black oh, is that the logo yeah that's pretty much our logo right there saint francis standing at a, on a meteor it it's like a cliff like that's just suspended in the sky and there's birds around him um 
What was the inspiration for that logo? That's actually really cool. Well, I work at St. Francis Retreat in San Juan Batista, so it's almost like repping the business that I work in. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's yeah. like product placement. <laughs> uh, and also just, I mean, you see St. Francis in people's backyards. It's a very calming symbol. It represents... Yeah, I got a St. Francis in my backyard too. He's the most loved saint there is. And he changed uh, the Catholic religion. He brought it back to the simplicity. You know, it wasn't so... so uh, like a corporation, you right. know, which it's kind of winding up being again. Um, but also, you know, the, the cousin of mine that, that died, uh, Johnny, um, the, the title track for death is a blessing is angels pray for you. And, uh, so to me, like St. Francis holding the burden, releasing it is like letting go of, you know, someone that died. Yeah. It's always so, hard. Yeah. But I mean, life goes on. Life does go on. Yeah. So, are All we right. ready to do this? Play the music, Maestro. So this one's Beauty is Hoping for You. Ah! 